All right, talking ears. It's not, that's not the issue. Your mic is off. <laughs> um, my favorite thing to do is to edit something into the beginning of the episode that embarrasses whoever's not me. <laughs> so guess what this one's going to be. Welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Erin Pline and Diana Seacon, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system, but we're still crazy for a good true crime story. Welcome to season three, episode two. Woo! A decision made after season three, episode one. <laughs> well, it hasn't come out yet. Isn't the... Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm. I haven't edited it yet. Okay. We have recorded it. We have. And it's delightful. It is. And Although, by the time this comes out, everyone will already know. <laughs> well, but if they don't, you should go back and listen it to that. It is true. Because it was delightful. It, it is true. So, hi. Hi. You know, so, we talked when it was me and Jordan, and we were starting out and trying to figure out what our process was and all that, a lot about how to start an episode. Mm-hmm. And at one point, my mom was like, oh, you should ask what story the other person didn't do, which was good, except that sometimes there just weren't any. And other times you're like, well, I can't tell you because I'm going to do it next week. <laughs> um, so we need another start. Ooh. So come up with something brilliant. Like right now? Right this moment. All right. So I'll ask you a crime-related question. Okay. So this week's crime-related question is... Favorite serial killer, go. <gasps> Ooh, that's a toughie. I'm going to have to go with the combination of Henry oh. Lee Lucas and Otis Toole. Okay. Who definitely killed people. But there is a great amount of debate about how many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that is not a serial killer, Diana. You cheated. But they're they're kind of well okay. So then I'd have to go with Henry Lee Lucas. Okay. If if I have to narrow down to one, but the combination of the two of them is like okay. serial killer magic. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I can accept that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's yours? Favorite favorite um, serial killer. Favorite serial killer. I don't know. I like the more obscure ones so like one of my women who killed everybody with arsenic or something like that um but also oh god I can't think of his name also I can't think of his name that (laughs) one he's a good one he's a good one right no the the um (laughs) Yep, nope, I'm just going to not be able to record this entire episode today, apparently. All right. Are you ready for a story about about insurance and murder? I am. Insurance is only in it like this much. That's okay. But it did have the word insurance in the story. Man, I should have said H.H. H. Holmes. There was so much insurance that was and the murder. I was trying to oh. <laughs> There's a Holmes in my story, and I just kept thinking of his name, and I was like, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to sound like an idiot. He's not even, like, yeah. And then yes. you H. H. Holmes. couldn't remember his name at all. And then all. I could, I was like, 
it's just second guessing myself and I didn't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he would maybe be other than like, I like all the little obscure ones, but he would be my favorite if I had to choose like a mainstream serial killer. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty good one. Yeah. So much insurance fraud. Yeah. So much. Um, I tried to read the book about him. Devil but, in the White City? Yes, but I just couldn't. There's too much detail, and it was I couldn't read about architecture any longer. Oh, so that was fascinating, and it actually came up in a class I was teaching a couple of years ago. Okay, wait. <laughs> <laughs> a couple years ago, being you were working for a software company. The one I currently work for, even. And so how <laughs> did that come up in a class? So you two know who you are. You are. I know at least one of the people in this story is a listener. <laughs> I was teaching a class about our company's software implementation methodology. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And um, we were making the analogy that when you build software without knowing what your users want, you're basically yes. building a house without plans. And, okay. and you can't do that. Like you need to have plans when you're going to build a, a building of any significance. Yes. And I made some offhand comment about, well, clearly you've never read Devil in the White City. <laughs> and one of the women's like, I have. I just read it. And we started going. <laughs> and then everybody else is like, wait, wait, wait. What is this? And I'm like, so it's a book about the 1883 Columbian Exposition in, in Chicago. Right. And it's half about how the piece of land that was used for the exhibition is really shitty. So a lot of modern, modern architectural techniques I guess mm-hmm. were were developed to work with right, that land so that's right. like why we have skyscrapers and all this other I didn't stuff. even get that far I got to the like there are 43 people wanting to be the architect and oh. I can't stand to listen to this anymore yeah no once <laughs> the politicking was horrible but once you get to the architecture it was actually really interesting okay. but it's the other half of it is about H.H. Holmes right <laughs> I was so disappointed to never get to that half right but so so then of course we got to like and then I had to discuss who that was because not everybody knew and then we talked about tragedy I know but I'd always talked about like when you sling software together and some of the stuff that we saw as Frankensteining it right putting parts together and so uh Amanda of course because she draws all the time I have a little post-it note it's still on my desk Amanda that says Frankenstein lives in the murder castle (laughs) she drew the murder castle Cute. So that is how H.H. Holmes came up in a class I was teaching about software implementation methodology. That's even a reasonable explanation. Right? I mean, it gets there. (laughs) So I don't know if Amanda does listen to us. (gasps) I know, but here's the thing. Amanda? I know. Her mom does. Definitely. Nana? Nana does. Hi, Nana. (laughs) Um, So Amanda did, but then she was like, I just can't listen to murder all day. And then she introduced us, and I said, Diana really likes to talk about murder. And she's like, ah, thank God. Like, I knew if I just, I could just hand you off to her. Yep. (laughs) You guys could have that part of your relationship. (laughs) She said the same thing to me. She's like, now you guys can talk about true crime with each other and not with me. Not with me. That's it. Exactly. So maybe her mom will call her and be like, you were talked about on this episode. Absolutely. And then we'll be like, yeah, she's kind of talked about most episodes. (laughs) She comes up. (laughs) But she's not the one committing the crime, so it's okay. That's right. So I'm going to flash my notebook page at you because it's cute. Okay. You ready? And it's going to give you a clue about my story. Okay. Okay. I know that you can't read. I wrote like tiny 
but look. Oh. You to tell them what it is? It looks like it's the whale that hangs from the ceiling of the Smithsonian. It's supposed to be a shark, but yes. <laughs> it looks like a shark that's hanging next to the whale. <laughs> I had that on the mind because we were just talking about the Smithsonian. But yes, we were. Yes, that's true. No, this one this one is. Oh, a, yeah, that's is totally a shark. a shark. There he is. See, he has a Aww. pointy nose. It was a very quick flash. It was. It was. I always prefer to flash people quickly. <laughs> leaves a little mystery right also deniability (laughs) (laughs) okay so my story starts with a shark Ooh. okay so in australia on april 25th 1935 which was before i was born me too a fisherman (laughs) caught a 14 foot tiger shark (gasps) um accidentally it sounded like wait Uh uh-huh 14 feet yeah. That's like three of you. Yeah. It is. I was at the, I was at the doctor today. I am 5'2". Ooh. <laughs> so it is, it is pretty darn close to three of me. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So huge. And I guess some of that is like tail and fin and stuff, which is less, I don't know. But it no. had to be huge. And here's why. So, well, actually, you don't get to know why yet. So he takes him to an aquarium. I don't know how this happened. He takes him alive to an aquarium. And I feel like they need water. Yeah. And 14 feet, like what kind of boat was he in where he could put a live shark that is 14 feet in the boat and keep it alive while he takes it to an aquarium? And then how did he get it from the boat to the aquarium? I just don't know how this happened. So question number one, what kind of boat? Like a nice one. Uh, well, yeah. Well, he must have had some really impressive fishing gear, too, to catch a 14-foot shark. I wonder if it was like a, not like a fishing boat, like on a lake with two old guys, but like a f- fishing boat that you could take out to sea for the day and like catch a lot. I think it had, well, it had to be, yeah. right? It had yeah. to be. And then he had to be fishing for really giant things right. to accidentally catch a 14-foot shark. Right. And then I guess he had to have some place on his boat to keep it. And some way to transport it. Maybe if he was like fishing for, I don't know, are there tuna in Australia? I have no idea. I don't know. But I feel like 14 feet they're cold. in a, you know, even a small fishing boat. Again, not the wooden variety like on a lake. But like, that's not that long. I mean, that's about the length of this room. Which is long for a shark, but not for a boat. No, but you also want to have enough, like you've got to keep it contained. Even if it is not in the water, it is still strong and has lots of teeth. That is an excellent point. So it had to be a big enough boat that it had like a compartment that could house a 14-foot shark. We've gone way past my knowledge of boats at all. I will absolutely. And sharks (laughs) and fishing and what fish live in Australia. So it doesn't actually matter so much. He took it to the aquarium. (laughs) Um, and then it got a little weird because within a week of the shark Wait, being there, this is where it gets yeah, weird. Yeah, no, it's about to get weird. Yep. Um, it it got sick. And then here's another thing I didn't know about sharks. I swear I keep finding these stories that don't sound real. <laughs> um, it puked. I didn't know sharks could puke. I suppose just about anything can puke. Some things can't puke though. Oh, like horses can't puke. Yeah, and then you die. Uh, it puked. I die because the, well, horse, the horse can't dies. Puke. If you're a horse and you can't, I don't. And then I, you die. I cannot imagine the situation in which my life would be in peril if a horse puked or didn't puke. I 
we have established I am not all there today. Oh, this um, is just what I needed. <laughs> <laughs> also known as so much editing. No. Uh, so he puked. And you know what came out? A leg? An arm. <gasps> no. A no. left forearm, to I was be exact. kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he pukes up the arm. Did the arm give him food poisoning? So, there's more weird. Okay. Um, the important things to know about the arm are, at first, they thought, well, surely... The shark has eaten someone, but they wanted to figure out who it was and they wanted to investigate because even if it had eaten someone, like somebody should probably be notified that somebody probably wants to know. Yeah. So, um, the arm still had intact fingerprints, even though it had been in the belly of a shark for at least a chunk of a week for days. Right. Um, and yeah, so I don't know how that happened exactly. I have an idea, but I don't know enough about shark digestive juices to know. As we've established, I know nothing. Um, (laughs) It also had a very distinctive tattoo of boxers. Like, not the dog, but like people. (laughs) People punching each other. Now I am picturing tiny dogs punching each other. That would be adorable. Boxers boxing. Boxers are pretty cute. Yeah. So, uh, depending on which story you read or which account you read, there's a little bit of disagreement about how the arm was identified. One story I read said that they, like, essentially put a picture of the tattoo in the paper and said, do you know who this is? And another story said they fingerprinted him and identified that way. Because the person it was, his name was James, he went by Jim Smith, and he was a criminal, so he'd been arrested. He was like a low-level, like part-time criminal. Was like, that his real name? Um, yes. So I realize it's a little John Doe-ish. <laughs> yeah, his parents did not put a lot of effort they into that try. one. There is somebody else in the story with a really fantastic name. Okay. So we just basically are like all putting all our. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, whether it was the brother saw the picture in the paper and called, or whether they identified him, and then that's how the brother and the wife, Gladys, identified the body or whatever. It turns out it's this this guy. So the other important thing about the arm is that it did not have any bite marks at all. <gasps> None. So they determined definitely was not a swimmer that the shark attacked and ate because it was severed very cleanly right around the elbow area, like as if by a blade. So then they declared it a murder. The other thing to know about the shark, and I don't know if they determined it at this point or three days later, which we'll talk about in a second, but the shark, the 14 foot tiger shark did not eat the arm that was in its belly. I know. It ate another shark who had eaten the arm that was in its belly. So that's why I sort of wonder if the first shark ate the arm and then it got eaten so it was dead. So then the very, arm very didn't get... Very quickly, so it didn't get di- digested. Right, so it didn't get as digested. And then maybe some combination of having eaten a shark that was large enough to eat an arm was detrimental to the big shark. I really have no idea. I also don't know how they determined that the smaller shark ate the arm since the arm, but not the smaller shark came out of the big shark, unless maybe they both did. 
things are very unclear. <laughs> well, I suppose <laughs> if you're, this is like a turducken. Right? <laughs> it's a person inside of a shark inside of a shark. <laughs> right. But I suppose the bigger shark has the smaller shark in its tummy. Mm-hmm. Although now I'm thinking that maybe tummy is too cute of a word for the innards of a shark. Especially a shark that ate a shark that ate a person. Right. But the inner shark is going to be digested from the outside in. Right. So, yeah, I wonder if part of the shark that that was left, but like the arm, because that's what I can't get is how are you in another biological being's gut with all of the acid and the turning and the, the stuff that happens for and digestion. And fingerprints. And, and a tattoo even. Or exist, really. Because yeah. with a 14-foot shark, like, your arm is a Cheeto. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe the smaller shark hadn't totally swallowed it. Or maybe it was... <laughs> like just hanging out like a toothpick. Well, yeah, but like so that it was protected from the big shark's stomach, but not yet in the little shark's stomach. Like or, mid-swallow? Oh, that would suck. I don't want right? to die mid-swallow. Right? Having a, having a tasty treat and then just dead. I don't know. But on the other hand, I like... Mean, there are worse ways to go. Right? You could be... You could die of starvation. That would be really sad. Like really uh, dying at all is kind of sad. Um, that, I mean, that would take me a while. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think it really works that way? I've got lots of reserves. <laughs> so, yes. Anyway, that is that is the, the shark weirdness oh my gosh but now there is a murder case right because they have this arm it has obviously been cut off by a human being so the reasonable <gasps> assumption is did the is guy dead. cut off his own arm to cash in on an AD&D policy that would be awesome but that is not how this story goes okay ish <laughs> uh so early investigations once they had identified the body they they sort of retraced his steps, right, but backwards. And they determined that the last, so the last time he had been seen was April 7th. He'd been missing since then. That's my birthday. Well, it was probably this dude's death day. What year is this? 35. Exactly 40 years before my birthday. That's actually pretty cool. That is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, this dude was probably murdered 40 years before you were born to the day. Cool. <laughs> In uh, Australia, where I was definitely not. I keep trying to pull us back, but, you know, it just we just get too <laughs> easily distracted. Um, so, yeah, he hadn't been seen since the 7th. The last thing that they knew that he had done is he'd been seen at a local pub <laughs> playing dominoes. No, the last thing they knew that he would had done was have his arms severed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before that, the last thing... <laughs> He was playing dominoes at the local mm-hmm. pub with his friend, Patrick Brady. And both arms? Uh, presumably. All right. Yeah, would, have, would have been a little noticeable. Something to take note of. Uh, so Patrick Brady, also a criminal. Um, he also has had some arrests for forgery. Just mm-hmm. kind of one of the cooler crimes, in my opinion. You need a little I, talent for that. Yeah, right? In theory. It's artistic. Yeah. Yeah, in theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, they look into Brady and they learn that he has recently moved. He was renting this little cottage and then somewhere between the 7th and the 25th, he left. He scrubbed everything down. He bought all new furniture. He'd had, including this 
he had like this trunk that was brand new that he'd just purchased, but now he had a different one. He'd replaced it. Hmm. Um, he also owned a rowboat and his rowboat was also scrapped. So they were like, hmm, so this sounds like Brady probably killed him. Probably, but I bet those landlords were really pleased that somebody finally cleaned up after themselves. Right? <laughs> Seriously scrubbed everything down. It's what they always dreamed of. And yet. <laughs> uh, so at this point, the aquarium makes a big mistake. And they decide, for science, they have to kill and gut the shark to see if they can find any more human remains inside the shark. Really, the police should have done that so they could properly collect evidence along the way. But it didn't matter too much because they didn't find any other remains at all. No flesh, no bone fragments, nothing. And they dissected both of the sharks. Wow. Yes. So the only thing that either of these sharks had in them was a whole undigested human part of an arm. So not a whole arm, but like, but like it was cleanly in one piece. cut. Yes. Not digested. There are photos of the tattoo. So like it... It looks like an old tattoo or like a prison tattoo, but it well, is the, clearly the, identifiable. It was the 30s. That's sure. probably about as good as it got for the right. average person. Well, and I don't know that, I mean, it, it could have been a prison tattoo. Like, I don't think yeah, these were yeah. particularly classy people out, you know, like <laughs> finding good artists in hygienic working areas. Anyway, so they kill a shark. Eh, whatever. So the police are kind of upset, but they continue investigating. And a witness comes forward and says that he had given Brady a ride the night of the 7th and he seemed visibly upset and um, maybe injured, like he was acting kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they were like, okay, yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty sure. I feel like if my arm had been severed, I would like my friends to think that I was acting more than just kind of weird. No, Brady is the the friend, the suspect. Oh, oh, oh! He was injured. Gotcha. He, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, they they thought that maybe he was injured and like he was just behaving very strangely. Mm. He apparently had his hand in his pocket and wouldn't take it out at all, and like got in the taxi and wouldn't take it out. And... Wait. So he had one hand in his pocket and the other hand held a taxi cab. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That is exactly what happened. <laughs> the look on your face, you're so excited. <laughs> oh, I just never thought that would come up in conversation. Right? I, sort of unrelated, wonder if it was his hand. Like, was it his arm? Did he have the severed arm in his sleeve? And that's why he was like... I don't know. I don't know. And my mind goes all kinds of places. But yes, that is exactly yeah. what happened. <laughs> that is amazing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they go back. Um, they do some more investigating. And they come across our very well-named person. Ready? Okay. Also, it's a little ridiculous. Like, I feel like his parents were just trying to think of all of the names that in combination would be super pretentious. I don't know. <laughs> Reginald. Mm. William. Mm. Lloyd. Not so pretentious. Mm. Holmes. Mm-hmm. He's a bad dude. Mm. He is a drug smuggler <gasps> and routinely commits insurance fraud. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> 
also known as Diana's favorite part of the whole story. <laughs> I don't know. The way you were looking at me, I was expecting like something that's no longer a crime, but was super scandalous in 1935. Oh, no. <laughs> he routinely didn't put his napkin on his lap. Yes. <laughs> that would have been the more like, we need the sound effects. Done, done, done. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, his, his big thing, he owned a boat building business. I feel like there's a more official name for that. Uh, and he would over insure his boats and then hire people to sink them or claim that they were sunk and collect the insurance. And so his boat building business, which is a fun thing to say. Boat building business. Ooh. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like good syllables and alliteration. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, was, was, I mean, it was just totally a front for these other businesses, but he did, in fact, build some boats because he had clients, like actual legitimate clients. He would occasionally hire Smith, the dead guy, to help him with his insurance fraud and drug smuggling and other whatever. Uh, and then at some point, he also was hiring Brady, and the three of them were working together. Um, and Brady would... So Holmes would take documents that his wealthy clients had signed and give them to Brady. And then they would write small checks and he'd forge their signatures and then they'd cash them. And they were small enough to go undetected most of the time. And How does this sound familiar? That's what they still do. Well, yes. <laughs> That's, well, but yeah, I had the dollar at the heavy duty mm-hmm. tool store thing when my credit card got nicked. Yep. No, it it's effective. Yeah. Even I almost a hundred years later. I had no idea. It was a longstanding tradition. It, yes. It Yes, it is. Although much more quickly detected by people who are paying attention now with, that we have the internet and we can check our bank balances and right. get phone calls. And right? I can't imagine, like at this point, you're just balancing your own checkbook. Well, yeah. And there's and no, like... There's no... Che- you don't get a statement. No. You just have to hope that what you think is in there is in there. Right. I suppose you'd go, you know, with your passbook. Right. And, and have hope. the banker update. But, like, checks wouldn't clear terribly quickly either. No. Yeah, I guess not. I don't have any idea how banking used to work. I don't have any idea how sharks work, fishing works, <laughs> Australia works, the legal system, or checks. I'm just going to add that to the list. <laughs> um, so... It also turned out that Smith, the dead guy, was blackmailing Holmes, the boat builder. (gasps) So they found that out conclusively. The other thing about Smith is that he was probably, although I feel like there should be a definitive answer to this, but different sources said different things, but a police informant. So he had a very high-risk lifestyle. Uh, He was hustling, though. Yeah, right? <laughs> From all different, yes. Yeah, he should have been... The man been got shit done. I don't know why he felt the need to box. Maybe he had anger issues, but like I feel like he had he was playing all sides. Maybe, that, maybe that's how he got things done. Maybe, maybe so. He was, yeah. So the police theory was that Brady and Smith and Holmes had been involved in something. At least Brady and Smith had been involved in something. It had gone wrong. For some reason, Brady had killed Smith. 
he had done that in his cottage that he was renting and that's why he needed to strip everything and clean it up and that he had chopped him up and thrown him in the ocean and or the bay and the only thing that the the shark found and the only part they found was the arm so that's their theory and they bring in both men Holmes and Brady and they question them and neither of them will say a word and so eventually they're like well you know if you're not going to tell us anything then Holmes you can go Brady you're under arrest so mid-May, actually the 16th, they arrest Brady for murder. Holmes is let go. He goes home pretty much immediately, goes into one of his boathouses, and shoots himself in the head. That's the action of an innocent man. Right? <clears throat> Only it doesn't work. <gasps> the bullet apparently hits his skull and, like, compresses and ricochets and it stuns him but it does not kill him oh shit like he's only minorly injured is that like probably a concussion but it knocks him into the water and then he is revived by the cold water and he climbs out of the water and he's like bleeding from the head but otherwise fine. oh my god it's like mini rasputin <laughs> so he I don't know what his plan was after that, if he was going to try again, if he was going to go back in the house. I don't know. But his neighbors or whoever was there saw it happen, and they called the police. And so the police come. Holmes jumps in his boat. He leads them on a an extensive boat chase. <laughs> uh, or two. Actually, it said two. So I don't know if that means that he got away and they started again, or somebody ran out of gas. He stopped for tea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, he realizes he's going to probably end up getting caught. at the Like, there are lots of police and only one of him. So he gives up. He goes in with them. They, they bring him in. They question him again. And at this point, he just tells them everything. He's like, so here's what happened. He says, Brady went over to Smith's house or, like, they met or whatever. He killed him. And he chopped him up. He stuffed him in a trunk, all except for his left forearm. He brought, which I guess maybe because that was where the tattoo was, so it was like an identifiable part. Right. He brought the forearm. Oh, he dumped the the trunk into the water. All gone. He brought the forearm over to my house in an attempt to blackmail me for some money I owed him, about 500 pounds worth. And he said, if you don't pay me right away, then this is what's going to happen to you. Look what I have just done to my friend. Here's his tattoo. Now you know it's him. I, I want to just point out, if you bring a severed arm into my house, mm-hmm. friendship over. Oh, 100%, percent Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. We're no. in agreement. I, also, I feel like you should call the cops. Oh, I will. You should probably hit me over the head with something, because if I've cut up a person, I'm obviously not okay. Right. But no, I'm good with that. I give okay. you permission to. Okay. Yes. And, and vice versa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to sick my dogs on you. I'm kind of glad we both now have identifying tattoos on. Yeah. Ooh. On lots of our body parts. Uh, I have them on three or four limbs. <gasps> Me too. <gasps> we need to go get more tattoos. Apparently. Okay. My, my left leg. Yes. My left leg. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a date. Left leg. <laughs> done and done. <laughs> Uh, so, um, he says that then Brady left the arm with him as sort of an ongoing threat or to implicate him or something and left. 
um, and that Holmes had tied a rope around the wrist, which was something I should have mentioned way back in the beginning when they found the arm, is that in addition to the tattoo and the fingerprints, there was a rope tied around the wrist. And again, not digested. Nope. Crazy. Right? I don't know. I don't know. We have to look up shark digestion. That's like I, our project right. as soon as we're done yeah. here. And he had carried it down to the water and thrown it into the surf. And so I presume that the... He like swung it around I his head. So. <laughs> but I, I would presume that the rope was so he didn't have to touch it. Right? I don't know why he felt the need to tie it up. It wasn't going to get him. Well, and how much was he... T- I mean, I suppose... You could take like a bag and just kind of like with a bug, right? (laughs) And so he tells the police all of this. He uh, says he'll testify. They get ready to do their inquest. Um, And this is where I know nothing about Australian law. So in one source it said trial, but it sounded more like, like an autopsy with witnesses. Yeah. So like an inquest. Yeah. Yeah. And so they get ready to do that. The day before they are going to do this, they find Holmes shot in the head several times, point blank range, in his car. And the gun is still there. And so it's not clear whether it was a suicide, which seems perfectly reasonable. He tried to do that before. Right, yeah. Or a murder. Like Smith had a hit carried out on him because he was about to, not Smith, but Brady, rather, Mm -hmm. Brady, um, because he was about to, send him to jail forever or whether there was a rumor or a suspicion that Holmes had actually hired someone. He took out a lot of money from his account, hired someone to kill him because he couldn't do it himself because he tried and failed. And also so his family would collect the insurance money. Oh yeah. No suicide clause. Yeah. So they never discovered, but it didn't matter what that meant was with his good lawyers, Brady was able to go free yeah. Wow. So the other thing that the lawyers said that enabled Brady to go free, other than you now have absolutely no evidence tying my client to this case, other than the fact that he once played dominoes with his friend. Well, right. And the fact that we even found out that the dude was dead and probably murdered is just a complete freak accident. Right. Well, they said that actually you have no proof that he is dead that he was murdered or that he is dead at all. You found part of an arm. People can survive without their arm. How do you know there's even a body that's not a body? Well, that's an excellent point. Right? I mean, that was your theory at the very beginning. Right, yeah. (laughs) So um, ultimately, they let Brady go free. He is since dead. They never convicted anybody of the crime. They don't have it solved. The end. It's very unsatisfactory. Wow. Yes. (laughs) Except it's such a crazy, like, I just keep going back to, what are the chances that a shark ate an arm and then it got eaten by a shark that got caught by a guy that instead of just letting him go, decides to take him to the aquarium and then the shark barfs. And that, like, oh my God, there are so many improbabilities Yes. to even get there that I almost feel like karma let the dude off. Yeah. Well, except that, like, what would the... What would the point be? Like, I don't know. I don't know either, but it was just so improbable. Yeah. No, it's it's bizarre. And really, nobody was missing this guy terribly. I mean, presumably his wife and brother were, because they identified him and said he's <laughs> been not. missing. But, I mean, they didn't, they weren't looking 
into his friends and his like criminal contacts and all of that. Yeah. So no one knew he was murdered. And if that had not happened, no one ever would have known because they never managed. Like they went and they looked and they sent divers and they never managed to recover the chest or any other body parts. There was no blood. There was no evidence at all that anything had happened except an arm and the fact that this other guy scrubbed his house and moved. Right. And then this suicidal, crazy criminal guy told them that's what happened. Well, in, you know, in 1935, I think that if a guy who was kind of unsavory disappeared, the cops didn't look real hard and it wasn't that uncommon. Right. You know? Well, and I sort of got the feeling from some of the descriptions of him in the very beginning of the articles and like even when his brother identified him and I think his family kind of felt that way too. Like it probably was going to happen. Something bad was going to happen. Right. So, and everybody in the story spends time in jail from time to time. So it wasn't even like they were not used to him being around. Like, yeah, maybe he didn't use his one phone call to let him know he was back in. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Oh that my is my shark story. That is insane. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was another one of those. I looked it up and then I had to go and look at many different because it's not real, right? There are books written about it. Oh my gosh. It has been. So I always read the Wikipedia one for like readability, right? To put everything in order. Right. Um, the, and they always have the like pop culture references and it was in the Bill Bryson book about Australia, but apparently incorrect. So he mentioned it because it's sometimes called the shark arm murders, which is or murder, which is kind of hilarious to me because sharks don't have arms. <laughs> Although this one did. <laughs> yes. It, it wasn't his, but yeah. <laughs> he apparently sort of insinuated that he, that Smith had been a swimmer that got eaten by a shark. Oh. Which... He was a dude that got eaten by a shark, but not but at attacked some point and he eaten had by a shark. Been swimming, probably. He was probably a swimmer that had been. Well, I don't know. Not everybody. Not everybody's a swims. swimmer, but somebody. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody at least swims at some point. Perhaps I don't know how to swim, but I go swimming. I float real good. I'm so good at that. So, Diana, do you have a story for me? I do have a story. That's my for podcasting you. voice. <laughs> <laughs> So, funnily enough, we both went vintage. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. So, this week, I was feeling nostalgic for Paris. Ooh. But this story doesn't have a lot to do with that. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought we would like to know that. I mean, it takes place near Paris. Some of it even in. Okay. But then there, there's, a, there's a downturn. Oh, my. <laughs> so... I'm going to tell you a story mm-hmm. about the last public execution by guillotine, <gasps> which happened in France in 1939. My lady last time was guillotined. That's right. Okay. So our main character is German. <laughs> and that is why they executed him by guillotine. <laughs> no, that's, that's the not. The end. I don't think that was it. He did some shit. Um, oh. But I, I do not speak the German. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited. What's his name, Diana? What's his name? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So it's spelled kind of like Eugene, okay. but without the last E. So I don't know what to make of that. 
I mean, it could still be Eugene. It might be. I just don't know enough about German to know whether that's the case or not. Australia, fish, sharks, legal systems, boats. Those are all the... And German. German. Yeah. Just German. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to call him Eugene I don't know what else to do with it. Uh-huh. Eugene Weedman cool. was born on February 5th, 1908 in Frankfurt, Germany. Ooh. I've been to Frankfurt. I have not. I left the airport and drove to another town. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, w- was driven to another town. Let's be right, clear. Right, 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 right. <laughs> All right. So he was born in 1908, and he was sent to live with his grandparents at the beginning of World War One. And it was while he was living with his grandparents that he started stealing stuff. Huh. Yeah. So he was sent to juvie. I don't know if it was called juvie back then, <laughs> <laughs> or in Germany, or der Juven. <laughs> Diane, I thought you didn't speak German. Schloss. <laughs> uh, I spent a week in Germany. Only word I learned. Um, I don't know what it means. Castle. <laughs> oh, well, that's a useful word. Thank God you learned that. No, it was. Not like the phrase for I don't speak German. I should have learned that one. <laughs> All right. Anywho, so Eugene uh-huh. was born in 1908, started stealing, sent to Juvie. Uh, and then later on served prison terms for theft and burglary in Canada and Germany. Now, nowhere in all of the stuff I read did anybody mention how he was in Canada, what happened in Canada, like nothing. Like they just <laughs> slide right over the fact that he committed a crime in Germany and Canada. And Canada. Right. <laughs> Maybe he was a stowaway. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know why I, that's like the most random random thing that everybody threw Canada. in. Wait wait until later. There is another fact that everybody throws in. Was it that the shark ate another shark? No. Oh. My fact was better. It's true. <laughs> so in his 20s he did five years in Saarbrücken. Nice. Schloss. Schloss. Uh, Germany. And he met two men who would later become his partners in crime. Ooh. Roger, I'm guessing it's actually Million, but it's spelled like Million, and that's what uh-huh. we're going with. And Jean Blanc. Nice. Once they were all sprung <laughs> from jail, they decided to rent a via in St. Cloud, uh, which, of course, being a good Minnesotan is St. Cloud. It's about an hour north of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but St. Cloud is near Paris. And they decided that they were going to work together to kidnap rich tourists and steal their money. Nice. Solid business plan. Right? No, I think that's, I think that's, I mean, as far as crimes go. Yeah. Not too bad. Seems effective. Mm -hmm. It seems kind of hard to, like, you're not, it's not like you're kidnapping someone with local resources. Although, kidnapping tourists is usually bad business. Well, but it was the 30s. It was, so it's no not. No cell phones. Yeah. If you wander off, you'll probably be back. No one knows you're missing for a long time. Right. Unless, I guess, if, they've, if they're getting ransom, they have to tell someone they've kidnapped you. We'll get there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> These are smart criminals. <laughs> so their first attempt uh, didn't go well. Mm-hmm. The victim struggled too much, so they had to let him go. So they had to let him go. <laughs> Just let him go. I thought you were going to say, so they killed him. No, no, no. You're too wiggly. You got to go. <laughs> oh, cool. I know what to do if I ever get kidnapped. Just wiggle. Just, Just wiggle. Just wiggle. I'm going to thrash like a fish. 
they're gonna be like i think we broke her we got it we gotta go <laughs> we weren't we weren't gonna murder anyone and i don't know <laughs> but yeah we, we gotta go all right so the second attempt was in july of 1937 and that went better um they targeted an american dancer jean de coven who was staying with her aunt in paris she met Weedman and was apparently really impressed with him. In a letter to a friend, she referred to him as a charming German of keen intelligence. Where did she happen to meet him? Unclear. So she went to visit him at the villa, and she brought along her new camera to take some pictures. Awesome. So he strangled her and buried her in the garden. Oh, my God. Wait. <laughs> Not, not because of the pictures. <laughs> I mean, I don't like having my picture taken, <laughs> but... So apparently later on, the pictures on her camera were developed and they showed her killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's real smart. Yeah. So they... What was he going to get out of that? Oh, I'll tell you. Okay. 300 francs in cash, uh, which is roughly $213.60 today. Although that was a hard calculation to come by because francs don't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then there's also inflation and all right. of Google so, was not able to help me with that last time. Yeah, the closest I got, I think I think that's relatively accurate. It's a little over two hundred bucks. And then four hundred and thirty American in travelers checks, which today this is just amazing. Uh seven thousand five hundred and seventy one dollars and eighty one cents. She was traveling with a lot of money. Yeah, well, she was rich. She was a dancer. She was rich. Yeah. So and her family was, I think. Did he, loaded. so he was just robbing her. He wasn't, inten- I thought they were going to ransom people. Did I make that up? No. Um, so they, they got the money from her. They got the traveler's checks. Do we need to explain what traveler's checks are? Does everybody know what those are? Oh, I hope everybody knows what those are. They don't, nobody uses them anymore. No, but I used them in high school, which was not that long ago. Jordan, do you know what traveler's checks are? I had somebody bring one into the store a few years ago when I was working there. And I was like, I have not seen one of these in years. Right? I don't even know how to. No, I don't. I wouldn't know. Like if I was working retail, I wouldn't know how to handle it anymore. I don't think I did. I think I had to call the owner and ask. I mean, I assume they're still around. They're still legit. Yeah. But now we all have cards that can be used right. overseas. Or phones or right. anything. Yeah. yeah. Basically, it is a check that you can travel with. Right, and it's like cash. Right, because you buy it with cash. Right. And it's for a fixed amount, right. and then you can get cash change from it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, now everyone knows. Okay. So they, they got all these traveler's checks, quite a lot of them, and they sent millions mistress to cash them. And then they tried to extort her family for more money. Because the family didn't know she was dead. Right. Yeah. So when her aunt went to the police with the ransom note, the police actually accused her of pulling a publicity stunt. <gasps> oh, mm-hmm. that's dirty. Right. Like, unless you have a real good reason to think that's not a night. That's, right. So they I accused, bet they felt so bad. Well, eventually they did. So apparently 15 days later, these traveler's checks were cashed and the signatures on the back were like very obviously forgeries right so then the police were like oh yeah i guess something happened right um however her body would not be found for another four months oh gosh and that means that whole time the family just didn't know so that was in july Mm -hmm. on september 1st of that same year weedman hired a chauffeur named joseph uh coffee 
I don't know. Mm, coffee sounds good. Mm, that does sound good. Uh, so he hired this guy to drive him to the French Riviera, which, by the way, I mapped. That's over 500 miles. Really? Yeah. Like, you can't just Uber 500 miles. I mean, I suppose it's not Uber, but... Like, <laughs> I mean, you could. Kind of. So, I, yeah, I, that was hugely expensive. Well, I mean, he did just rob the American one. <laughs> well, yeah, but... I guess. Yeah. Although that I, would, I feel like that would have used up quite a bit quite, of that. Quite a bit. Yeah. No, that, that seems, it seems really luxurious. Right. So, uh, so he hired him to drive to the French Riviera and in a forest outside of Tours, he shot coffee in the nape of the neck, dumped his body on the road and then made off with the car and 2,500 francs, which uh, as far as I can tell is about, uh, not quite $1,800. So that's, he didn't intend to pay, so that's why it was okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no money down. Uh, so his body was found about a week later. Two days later, Weedman and Millian lured Janine Keller, who was a nurse, into taking a walk with him in the woods to discuss a job offer. I feel like that's slightly out of context or something, because who the hell would agree to that? Right. Like... Were they just strolling through a park? It like, sounds how like, do you It wait. sounds like it was woods by the place that they were renting. And they had, I read a couple of different accounts. She was a nurse. So one of the accounts said that they had lured her out there to talk about like a private nursing job. Oh, one okay. account said for like a governess job. Although there seemed to be no children anywhere around here. So I don't know. But like somehow they got her out of the house. They took her on a walk in the woods. Right. Here, and walk with me while we discuss this. Right. Or, you know, just... you're out here anyway. It's a nice day. You know. Yeah. I don't know. So Weedman shot her in the nape of the neck, dumped her body in a cave. A cave? A cave. Huh. And then took 1,400 francs, uh, which is a little under $1,000 today, and her diamond ring. Why the hell do all these people carry so much cash? Right? I never have cash. I mean, granted, I have more options than they did, but... I never, That's a lot of cash to be just you, to bring to a job interview. Right. If you rob me right now, you might get 20 bucks. So on October 16th, so a little over a month later, Weedman and Million arranged a meeting with a theatrical producer named Roger LeBlond. I mean, at least they're good at finding rich people. Yeah. So they promised to invest money in one of his shows, but instead they shot him in the back and of the head. Stole his wallet, which had 5,000 francs in it. Good God. And he was found the next day, naked, in a cemetery. How do you think that decision got made? You know it would be awesome. <laughs> right? Let's get this dude naked and dump him in a cemetery. <laughs> That's really the only way that conversation can go down. I mean, because they... <laughs> There's not a good reason for it. They well, didn't like sell like his clothes. Been, <laughs> right. And they haven't been like, like raping the women or doing anything. No, 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 no. So it's, like, why, why just strip the dude? Maybe, maybe they wanted his clothes. Maybe. maybe like, he is a well-dressed guy. Yeah, maybe. But and yeah. there is not too much blood on this shirt. <laughs> That's why we shoot him in the head. No holes in the clothes. I, well, that's true. <laughs> although I feel like that would bleed a lot Headphones on the do clothes. Bleed. Right? Yeah. So that was the end of that guy. 
On November 22nd, Weedman murdered and robbed a guy he'd met in jail, Fritz Fromer. Huh. Fromer. I did a story that had a Fromer in it. Are you thinking about Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago? I. Oh, David Now I am. (laughs) That was. That was not. (laughs) I like that from the other room, my husband starts laughing. (laughs) Although he would do that no matter. Probably. You just just have to say sausage. (laughs) My kids laugh if you say fart. I'll have to try that out. Uh, So Fritz Frommer had been in jail because he was Jewish and had some anti-Nazi views. Really? Yeah. I can't imagine a Jewish person not liking Nazis. No. No, I don't. Uh, So he was also shot, all together now, in In the the nape of of the the neck. neck. Buried in the basement. Uh, Although buried is... uh, Probably too much of a word there. I was going to say it was the basement unfinished with a dirt floor. Was it a crawl space? No, it wasn't a crawl space. Was there just a lot of garbage in the basement? They buried him under that. I, You know, it says they... Well, we'll get there. <laughs> I'm not allowed to ask questions. All the answers are, we'll get there. <laughs> so five days later, uh, Weedman committed his final murder. He engaged a real estate agent, Raymond. Raymond Lesobre to show him a house in St. Cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... He's carrying 14 million francs. Yeah. Uh, no, only 5,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> but he was, and I even put in my notes, all together now. <laughs> Shot, Shot in, in the, the nape of, of the neck. neck. And robbed. And left on the floor of the villa. So... Their disposal methods are all over the place. Oh, God. Wait, what? <laughs> so apparently, I, if you hit the button, it engages Siri. Yeah. And apparently I must have done that. Uh-huh. And then I said, robbed and left on the floor of the villa. And Siri's like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I don't understand. That's really, that was so creepy. It was like this like creepy. British dude echo or something. Well, the regular Siri voice and I don't get along. Okay. <laughs> so in a rarity for this show, Weedman was actually caught through some good police work. <gasps> Wait. So uh, the real estate agent had a business card on him that led them to a hair shot. Hmm. So the inspectors located hair shot. Mm-hmm. And he told them that his nephew, Fritz Fromer, had recently gone missing. <gasps> The last time he'd been seen was with a young German man named Siegfried Sauerbray. Oh. Who was renting a villa mm-hmm. in St. Cloud. Mm-hmm. It's about an hour north of here. <laughs> it is. Um, on December 8th, so not quite two weeks since the, the previous murder, inspectors went to the villa where Sauerbray was staying. Mm-hmm. A man who introduced himself as Monsieur Carrer invited them inside. When the inspectors asked to see Monsieur Carrere's papers, he calmly reached into his pocket and pulled out a gun. Hmm. He and sh- shot them in the nape of the neck. Uh, no, actually, he, he changed it up for this one. He shot one inspector in the shoulder and then just grazed the other one on the forehead. 
Hmm. He tried. He tried. He tried. It was an effort. Yeah. One of the inspectors then saw a hammer that just happened to be on a table in the room, grabbed it, hit Kerr full force on the skull. He went down. Yeah. He was immediately handcuffed, taken into custody. Police then... He was not nearly as tough as the woman last week. No, no. He went right down. Police then searched the villa where they found Fritz Frommer dead in the cellar and uh, Jean DeCoven out in the garden. Hmm. During interrogation, Karar coolly confessed that his real name was Eugene Weedman, mm-hmm. and he confessed to the murders of DeCoven, Frommer, Coffey, LeBlanc, and LeSobre. He was like, if I ever get caught, I'm just going to tell him what I did. Well, except he forgot one. Once he was informed that they had oh. found Keller's passport in his bedroom, he fessed up to that one, too. Oh, my God. It just wasn't notable enough. I don't know if he just didn't remember. Right. He and I both <laughs> forgot. Yeah. I mean, again, where is the number at which? Right. They <laughs> all don't remember just them all. blend together. Yeah. Uh, out of all of the murders, apparently he only expressed regret at the killing of DeCoven, who was the dancer from New York. He is reported to have said tearfully, she was gentle and unsuspecting. When I reached for her throat, she went down like a doll. Oh, my God. That is so creepy. Mm-hmm. Weedman and his accomplices went on a very sensationalized trial in March 1939. One of those trial of the century things. Sure. Uh, Weedman and Million received the death sentence. Blanc received a jail sentence of 20 months. And uh, Colette Trico, who was the mistress that cashed the checks, mm-hmm. was acquitted. Really? Mm-hmm. Of murders? Or just they just... Just Maybe in, she testified. Yeah, they didn't. I didn't read the whole trial account. Gotcha. Um, on June seventeenth, nineteen thirty-nine, Eugene Weedman was led outside the prison Saint Pierre in Versailles. The headline of a contemporary newspaper stated: <laughs> "The headline." Sorry. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Cheryl's going to be proud of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda's going to like it too. Yeah, yeah she will. Um, the headline of a contemporary newspaper stated, Weedman goes to the guillotine with firm step but eyes shut. Uh-huh. A crowd of several hundred people was waiting for his execution. Oh, and God, I could never do that. The crowd uh, behaved pretty badly. The Paris Soir newspaper denounced the crowd as disgusting, unruly, jostling, clamoring, whistling. Um, what did you expect? You invited them to watch you kill someone. Well, but remember, public executions so. were not uncommon. No, but... They were entertainment. But apparently this crowd was particularly bad. Uh, they were so bad that the execution was actually delayed. Apparently they would wow. usually do the executions like at twi- dawn twilight. Yeah. Um, but they they were so rowdy that they held it off and the execution didn't actually happen until the sun was all the way up. So uh, they got a really good view. Wow. That's just a lot to take in. But wait, there's more. Did they dump a wheelchair onto the guillotine? (laughs) They did not. There are at least two videos of this execution. Oh. And I have watched them both. Oh, no, I don't think I could do that. From the time that he walks out the door to the prison. Uh Uh-huh. To the time that his beheaded corpse collapses into a trunk next to the guillotine. Oh, my God. Ten seconds. Wow. It was efficient. That is seriously efficient. It is 
I am real sorry I watched those videos. And yet you watched more than one. Well, um, yeah. So there is there is one. Um, I'll post the picture from this one on the the page once we post the episode. Are you sure? No, it's it's just the it's just the guillotine in the like right in front of the prison. Gotcha. There's nothing going on. But there were uh, there's a video that is a very famous video of this execution that was taken like from an apartment like right by it kind of a uh-huh. downward view oh my god can you imagine living in that apartment yeah like that would just be i don't know how often people were executed but i mean a lot i mean i don't know but they talked about like thousands of people right not necessarily all there though like around France. sure but like it, it seems like you would see more than one which yeah, is too many presumably right but i was Looking at YouTube, I don't remember why. Uh, oh, I bet I was looking at that video on YouTube, and I saw another one that was like rare video of Weidman execution, and then everything else was in Russian. And I was like, "Well, it's got to be the same video," but it wasn't. It was a different one from a different angle. Like somebody oh else had gosh. gotten one, but it's not the one. Like it's not a the lot- famous one. Well, it's not the famous one, but a lot of the articles I read said like only one video, and there's not. There's two. Oh, and it was definitely a video of that execution. Oh, like, yeah. Um, the I don't want to gross you out too much. Well, it won't. It just I just don't think I could watch it. Like, no, the body, I, like they did a real in good, a certain way or yeah. falls. Okay, they did a really good job of placement of the. I mean, it looked like a giant wicker trunk is what it looked like. Uh huh. Um, and once the guillotine went down, his body went directly in. Like, they could close the lid and call it. I don't... I understand how a head would fall into a basket. I'm having trouble picturing how a The guillotine was... It looked like it was raised a bit, so the basket Uh would have been below. And then the force of the blade... Just knocked it out of the... I mean, I guess if you've done it a bunch of times, you know where to put everything. Well, apparently this uh, particular executioner was a bit new. He'd only been on the job for four months. Wow. Yeah. Also a job I would never want to have. No. Eugene Weedman is buried in the convict's graveyard in Versailles. According to the European edition of the New York Herald Tribune on the day after the execution, uh, two letters were sent that day. One was to Weedman's parents. That was the official execution notice. Oh. (laughs) I guess that's how you have to do that. I guess so. Oh, that's awful. Next of can. Uh, the other went to the parents of Jean de Coven, the dancer from Brooklyn. Shortly before he was taken outside the prison, he wrote a note to her parents uh, because they had sent him a telegraphed plea. He sent a letter to her, to her parents solemnly affirming the virtue of their daughter at the time of her death. Oh, my God. So after this execution, the French authorities... And I quote, finally came to believe that far from serving as a deterrent and having salutary effects on the crowds, public executions promoted the baser instincts of human nature and encouraged general rowdiness and bad behavior. Yeah. This behavior was so scandalous that French President Albert Lebrun immediately banned all future public executions. But notice that I said he banned public executions by guillotines in France. executions by guillotines. France had only ever used the guillotine for state executions, and it was in service from 1792 to 1977. 
which is not long enough ago. I was born then. Yeah, I was not, but that is because I am no longer the older one on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 77. Um, I actually looked up, I looked a little bit at the last execution and I was two and a half. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yikes. That just seems so strange to me. So I am not okay with governments killing people. No. I'm not a fan of capital punishment. I, I go back and forth on whether I think it's okay sort of in theory. Because there are certainly people I feel like deserve it. But there's so much flaw in all kinds of... The, you just you can't do that. You can't take that back. I don't get to decide whether people die. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't give other people that power either. Well, especially not when... Like, it's not a pure justice motive. No, it's not. It's revenge. Yeah. Capital punishment is only about revenge. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I read... The first article I read about this, I think, was actually... It was vintage every day. And one of the... Like, the last part of the article was talking about, you know, the guillotine seems super barbaric, but really, it's efficient, and it never failed, and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you're not making me feel better about this. No. But it also probably is, I mean, yeah, it, it would get the job done. It does. It'd be over real fast. It is. You wouldn't, I don't know. I feel like it could fail. Apparently it didn't. Okay. Um, the French, I think, did a good job right. of maintaining and in, in making it. You know, it was in their, I think, best interest to not make it horrid. Sure. Um, but yeah, you know, it's quick, it's efficient. It's probably relatively painless. Well, and that's what they said too, is that, you know, there's some debate whether or not the, the head is cognizant for a little while afterwards. Right. But the general consensus is, yeah, technically it could be, but the shock and the blood loss, like they're probably unconscious pretty quick. Sure. But that was something that... It still wouldn't be very long. Like, no, you could be severely injured and survive and be in pain for longer. Yeah. You could be barely injured and be in that much pain for longer, I feel like. Yeah. But again, like he, one of the accounts I read, it was the the actual uh, article, the, what is it, New York Times Herald, I think. Um, described the whole thing. They had a reporter there, it sounded like, and they, they described the whole thing. And they said, like, he exited the door of the prison and he saw the guillotine and he closed his eyes. Yeah. And they led him to the guillotine, they let him up. And from the door, two in the basket, 10 seconds. Yeah. Like, that famous video is 12 seconds long. Wow. The whole thing. So even if he was conscious... Yeah. For 30 seconds? That's still a minute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, now that we're... I guess we rescinded that no bummers rule, didn't we? Yeah. (laughs) It only lasted like one episode. No, it lasted like... Two. Three. How many episodes have we recorded? We did one together where you were a guest. Right. We did one with Ashley. Which we didn't have a no bummers rule for that one. We just did whatever. Right. And then we had the one with Ashley. And then we had the other one that we did. Yeah. That was the, yeah, so it lasted two episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Then you brought us all down. I had sharks in mind, Diana. It's true. Maybe I should have. Multiple nesting sharks. 
Australian <laughs> nesting sharks. Oh my god. I have the best visual now. <laughs> I feel like I've seen a cartoon like that actually where like the shark opens its mouth and the shark pops out and then that one opens its mouth and that I feel like it's something that you would see in like a Woody Woodpecker cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to look that up. Totally. It's got to exist. Right? Yeah. I think so. I think so. Huh. All right. Well, thanks for the bummer, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I guess we do run a true crime podcast. Like, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. There were a lot of bummers in that one. All right. Well, um, I did not do a good job of checking to see if we had any shout outs. I will say, I know that you have our whole list all ready to go um I was just gonna say that like our Facebook group has been awesome we've had so many new people although all of them you're like I know this person (laughs) so I I have so far yeah yeah. (laughs) known some of the new people so hello and welcome right I'm super excited about that kudos to you for getting that going (laughs) I I am excited I uh it's been fun to see some of the conversations so keep having them yes yes we need to put another game in there too we do. I have a list. We just have to. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so we just have to time it right. Because sometimes I feel like I'll post things at six in the morning, and I'm sure nobody's reading fa- true crime podcast Facebook groups right. at six a.m. No, because that's what I think about doing it too. Is like before I'm really getting going for the yeah. day and lying know. in bed thinking of all the things I might need to do before I get up. All right, so. All right, so we don't have any shout-outs for this week, but if you would like to receive a shout-out on a future show, please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast catcher of choice. We do give shout-outs for all reviews, although we like the five-star ones best. Well, obviously. <laughs> you can follow Crime Crazy on Facebook. Uh, you can find us at facebook.com slash crimecrazypod. And from there, you can catch up on the conversation by joining the Crime Crazy group. You can follow us on Twitter at Crime Crazy Pod. You can follow us on Instagram at Crime Crazy Pod. Or you can email us at Crime Crazy Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow Aaron or me on Twitter. You're at Erin uh, Flyme. I'm at Diana underscore Secon. You'll never be able to spell either of them. So come join the Facebook group first. <laughs> Look up how to spell our names. <laughs> and then on Instagram, you are. Oh, God, I'm probably Erin Plyme there, too. I I think you're just E Plyme. I might be E Plyme. I don't know. So I never have to log in. Everything is saved. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm at classy underscore broad underscore MSP. Hooray. So I have a piece of advice. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I have two. Two? Mm-hmm. If someone asks you to take a walk in the woods to discuss a job offer... You are going to end up dead in a cave. So don't do that. Yeah. Try now to, to think of a job to prove you wrong. Like, I suppose a spelunker. Yeah. Yeah. I like that word. Yeah, that's a fun word. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you were like a land developer. But it is still best practice to not. <laughs> don't go in caves with people you just met. Oh, Definitely. And don't end up on next week's episode. Did you 
watermark pages in your notebook with our logo. Maybe. Oh my God, Diana. <laughs> you are so cute. <laughs> well, I made 